Welcome back to Seat Time. We are here for the June podcast episode of Seat Time. Excited to be here. Our guest is Jordan Ashburn. It just so happened that he won the John Pinton GNCC. So at the time, they now have seven winners in seven races. And we talked about how we don't think this has actually ever happened before. So epic conversation with Jordan Ashburn. But a little bit to get out of the way. Of course, if you want to support Seat Time, the number one way to do that is to hit the share button or the subscribe button you might be watching you might be listening whichever way you can help us out that would be phenomenal so you can share it with your riding buddies or you can subscribe so you can get any and all of the feeds that we put out we would really appreciate that of course you can get one of the seat time t-shirts at shop.seatime.co if that is a way you would like to support us we do have some coffee mugs and some stickers out there as well. Super excited for you guys to have this episode. I'm also excited that I've made it halfway. One of my goals for this year was to stay diligent and focused on making sure that I get 12 podcasts out. I wanted to have one a month, very focused, an hour long with guests, and dive into some of the conversations that I have been wanting to have with these racers, these riders, these trainers in the industry. And so far, I'm halfway there. We've got six done. Fingers crossed we get six more to go. So again, if you guys enjoy this, please leave a review. Please give it a thumbs up. Please leave some comments on any and all of the platforms that you're on. We would really appreciate it. Here is our June episode of the Seat Time Podcast. What we're really saying uh-huh. is this could turn into uh, this could turn into a whole other type of show. And I, as being a father, I totally understand and yep. will appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Mr. Jordan Ashburn, welcome back to Seat Time. It's been very long since we've had a chance to talk on the internet, but that's enough about us. How are you doing after your win this past weekend, my man? Man, I'm pretty pumped. You know, it's uh, we've been kind of slow go early in the year and uh, just been hunting hunting to get back on the podium and we got one earlier on in the year and uh you know it's just trying to fight back up there and this year it's it's been really tough and uh the competition is is unreal i mean it's I've never seen anything like it yeah what is that seven winners in seven races now right yeah so i still can't wrap my head around that i don't think anybody can like right since i've been racing and even remember jancy racing before me I don't ever remember that in a season, ever. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, so to now be one of those, right, to be able, like you said, you did have that third, so you were on the podium a little bit earlier in the year. I think it was Union, South Carolina, and now you're coming in here with the win. Like, did it feel like that was a trajectory for you, or what was it about this weekend that just seemed to have you firing on the right cylinders to get on the top? You know, I was pretty uh, pretty fired up after after Indiana, you know, because we had a great run going. I felt great. Bike was great. Everything was on point. We had done a bunch of testing before that race and really got, got things worked in. And, uh, you know, I just don't feel, feel like I could show it all at that, that last weekend that uh, we had that bike issue. And, you know, coming into this race, I wanted to, uh, you know, let that statement be made. Like, hey, I'm still here. I'm coming. Like, uh, we're, we're here now. We're ready to go. Let's race. And, uh, I mean, it is honestly like quite a bit of like unknown pressure on yourself whenever you've got six winners already. So it's like, there's only a couple yeah. left. So it's like, if you want to be a seventh, you got to get it. Like it's right there. You got to take it. <laughs> yeah. What is that something that's on your mind when you're on the start? You know what I mean? Like, take us through that. Like, the beginning of the day. Like, what is it like for y'all when you're on the start? Where do you put yourself in your helmet 
before they wave the flag? You know, before they wave the flag, you know, we're sitting there, we're we're ready, we're focusing on the start. Like, let's get the best start we can. Let's get to this. Try to get the whole shot, whatever. But like, no, I wouldn't say it's like you know, I'm gonna be number seven today. I'm I'm gonna get this. Like, not at all. Like, all these guys are so good. Like, it could it's it can be. However your day unfolds, I mean, there's so many things that can happen. So it's just, uh, you know, I want to win every time I line up, and I have intentions of that. But, I mean, sometimes unforeseen things happen and uh, or, you know, say I'm not really that comfortable on a track one day. And, you know, it's just I was really comfortable this weekend and, uh, you know, I was able to hang it out a little farther than than sometimes I normally would. Yeah. Is that um... – you know, being a racer, I know it. Sometimes you just feel it. Sometimes you don't. Right. But in the long run, you guys being at the top of the, you know, the top, the tippy top of, of the professional dirt bike racers. Um, what are some of those little things that you might try to work on? Maybe it's a process as you're going to the line that you repeat every time. Like, what are you thinking? Those those are those things that really bring you to that point so you can have amazing weekends <laughs> like this. You know, it's funny you said that because like coming into the race this weekend, like Saturday it rained half the day. It was totally off schedule. That's right. Like, oh, and it was like, was yeah, jet. I saw the four wheelers. Yeah, it looked horrible. Everything I did this weekend was totally off schedule of my normal race weekend, which I try to make the same every weekend. So it's like, I didn't really know. I mean, I just felt good about the weekend, so I don't really worry too much about like a routine, a schedule. If I'm off, oh, it's gonna mess me up, whatever. So like, uh, you know, I had a little different. Uh, I guess mindset for the weekend because I didn't I didn't walk I didn't ride all the track on my bicycle this weekend. There was probably like seventy percent of it I didn't even look at, and I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, I'm fine with it. I don't care because like it's like <laughs> the conditions are good. I like the conditions. I knew it was gonna be a uh, nobody was gonna just run away at the beginning of the race, so there was plenty of time to see uh, the lines on the track. And I got a bad start, went down right off in like the third corner or whatever, and got up, jumped up, just took off wide open, crashed again. And I'm just like, okay, it's really slippery. I got to figure this out, chill out a little bit. And then I got rolling and just kind of started picking guys off. And uh, I kind of felt like everyone was kind of bottled up a little bit and I felt like I had more. So I just kind of made a push toward the front. So yeah, it was a little, little different weekend. Like I said, I mean, I know a lot of guys didn't look at the track. So, I mean, we all looked at the Penton section, but we all thought the Penton section wasn't going to be in the track. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of, uh, that was kind of the weekend for me. I mean, uh, as far as, man, I even ate, like, I didn't even eat the same thing for dinner as I normally eat. I mean, it was, I was totally off, off culture this weekend and my wife and kids weren't there this weekend. She, my wife came in Saturday night, but, uh, just me and my dad drove up to the race and, you know, it was, uh, but it was a good weekend. I couldn't, couldn't complain at all. Yeah. Well, on that note, like what does that nutrition look like for you? You just said, I don't know. I didn't even eat what I normally would eat. Like how does one like a Jordan Ashburn eat like a night before a race or even if it, if, even if you start kind of consuming calories before, uh, the evening before. Yeah. You know, uh, like I'll usually start, like I eat fish lots of the race a lot of times. And to be honest with you, I've been really burnt out on it. So like, Going into the weekend, I was like, you know, I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to eat some, like, chicken and just keep it plain this weekend. And, and that's what we did. I mean, I didn't really uh, eat at the – anything close to what I normally do. I mean, like, timing was off. and Because like, usually, like, you know, 
we'll go out in the morning on Saturday, ride bicycle, look at the track, and then you've got the you got lunchtime, the quad, the afternoon quad start. You can look at it a little bit between the two quad races, and then after the afternoon quads, you get to go look at the track again on your bicycle. So like, none of that happened. Right. <laughs> we, I went out and walked like two and a half hours of the Penton section, like for three and a half miles, and I came back and I was completely dead. I was like, you know. I don't ever walk the track. I'm not a walker. Like I, I ride my bicycle, but I don't walk. So to get out there and do that and then come back, I was like, I'm spent. So I'm just going to like chill for a while. And <laughs> it was, it was, like I said, complete off weekend for me. Man, that's nuts. It makes me think a little bit about like, sometimes maybe we just need to change it up. Like, it's Dude, not for real. It, like I thought about yeah. that myself, you know, it's like everybody gets so hung up on, got to do it this way, got to do it this way, got to do it this way, can't change nothing. It's like, at what point really does that stuff even matter? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I think everybody can reevaluate that at some point, you know? Yeah. And I think that comes down to it too. Like we see it, um, we've seen it a lot recently in in the sport of CrossFit where like you've just seen athletes changing from different camps and stuff like that. Because again, it's like they weren't getting the results they wanted. They felt like they've just kind of been on this path. It's probably not that that person's a bad coach. It's just that they want to try something different. And yeah. I wonder how many of us just put the blinders on because we're like, well, this worked before. And if I try something else, then I could I could fail. And I don't want to fail, you know, because it's like I'm right. trying to get to the top. But sometimes maybe in this case it is if you don't view it as a couple steps back to then kind of like be able to run forward faster and just view it a little bit more of a, a linear line, like you're just on the same kind of line and just trying to make it further down. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool that it was one of those weekends that was so off kilter for you, so much so that you fought tooth and nail with Stuart Baylor, you know, to get the win. And it wasn't like no one else was there, right? That it was all this. Right. It was a true fight for you guys. So what was that like in the woods uh, fighting with such a monster on a bike of Stuart Baylor? You know, I know he said they said he had some issues early in the race, but like I kind of got out front early and I, I was riding pretty uh, conservative, I'd say. So like I wasn't taking any like crazy line risks, like just kind of like riding my race and I kept finding myself in the lead. And I was like, OK, somebody's going to be coming. You know, I'm just doing my thing, you know, whatever. And then uh, I got some pit boards, you know, he's coming, Stu's coming. And then boom, he's there like that quick. And I was like, okay, well, I know I'm not going to shake this dude. So he's going to be here all day and we're going to race to the end of this race. So, (laughs) you know, it was, it was just back and forth, back and forth. I mean, I know how strong he is and I've raced with him, you know, my whole career. We started, I've raced XC2 with him. And, uh, I mean, we, we've got a lot of time together and I know how he races and, uh, you know, and he knows how I race. So it's kind of like a battle of the minds at that point of who's going to play their cards here, there everywhere you know so it's uh it's interesting how that how that can all kind of unfold and uh you make a you try to make a plan for your race and a strategy for pitting and all that stuff and you know i think we kind of just uh done a pretty good job with that this weekend that's cool with the length of a lap at a gncc obviously in this case specifically the john pinton when you had to pass Stu back like it's is it more about waiting to see a mistake or are you pre-planning kind of like possible places that you've seen that you think like okay if i'm doing these you know like you would see in supercross they might set someone up three turns right but to make a pass but for us on you know 10 and 12 mile long laps like that's a lot harder to do so what was that like trying to set up for 
for trying to make these passes? You know, trying to make a like if you're if you're counting on say you're following somebody all day and you're counting on a last lap pass, like it's a lot to bet on. Because mm-hmm. you could say, Okay, I've got to be right on him right at right at the mile marker seven to make this line to make this pass. Well, you've got four more miles that he's gonna be all over you to try to pass you back. So like and not to mention, like to get to mile marker seven without getting a lap room between you, you get one mm. lap room between you, you lose five seconds, you can't yep. make that pass anyway. So there's that that's ruined. So and also, you know, sometimes trying to plan something out like that, you could also of the time you're trying to think about that, you're not focusing on the track and the race and you get behind that away. I mean, it can happen that quick and that easy. So you almost kind of have to race in the moment, but kind of a little bit ahead at the same time. Kind of like uh, simple as like, you know, when you're riding, you don't look at the front fender, you look ahead. You're just looking same kind of thing. Like in your head, you're like, you're riding right here, but you're barely looking ahead. In your mind, like trying to think of what the track, what is coming up ahead of you in the track for different things. So I know that last lap, like Stu had a, had a, at one time I think he had like 10 to 15 seconds and we were probably, we were pretty close to the John Penton and he still had that. And I was, uh, you know, pushing really hard and uh, hit a couple good little inside lines. And then there was like a little reroute around a mud hole and boom, I ran right up on him. And I was like, oh, you know, like sometimes something like that can happen. And, you know, that's uh, being the guy in front. Sometimes it's way harder on in that kind of situation. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, what with the conditions that were out there, was there anything that you guys did to the bike to try to play towards the conditions? Or at that point, like it was dry enough that you kind of knew, like, we're going to be good with what we came prepared for. So I pretty well ran exact same setup as I did at uh, the Hoosier, which was mud, kind of similar conditions, just slicker, or this was just like Ohio slick like clay. So, uh, but, you know, yeah, we had some, uh, we put some sag in the bike to kind of account for a little weight, and uh, that's basically all we do to the bike, you know, just. That's uh, interesting. I mean, the bike gets heavy, and. I'd say the first two laps, the bikes were really heavy, especially nose heavy. Like there was a lot packing under the fender on the front number plate, under the skid plate, and the bike felt like really heavy on the front. And uh, but the track dried out a bit, the main lines got drier, and then that stuff kind of came off, and everything got a little, little better balanced, I would say. And uh, yeah, but oh, I'm really picky about that stuff. So when things start get to feeling off, I don't. Yeah, it's it's tough to adjust to. Oh man, did you? Uh, we were chatting with Zach Osborne earlier this year, and he mentioned how during Supercross and stuff like that, like when they would get to so many hours on the bike, like they would have torque spedding, torque specs would change for how they would either engine mounts or whatever it was they were doing to the frame. The internet blew up, like over there, like in the dirt <laughs> in the dirt bike community, the internet yeah, blew up, yeah. right? Like let's not go crazy. We're not on ABC. I heard or something about that this weekend. Actually, somebody asked me about that. Yeah? yeah. Well, what did you say? Sure. What are sure your enough. thoughts? You know, I was like, you know, like supercross, I get it. Off road, no, no way. I don't mm. get it. Like, there's too many consistencies of dirt, rock, roots, hard pack, wet, dry, all in one track to right. be able to feel that difference to me. Mm-hmm. That's my personal preference. But I mean, it's, there's so many things that come into play. I, I feel like you just have, 
for for me, like have to find the best setup as close as I can get it for everything. Right. And that might not be great here, but it's okay here, but it's really right. good here. So it's like a balanced feel that you're looking for, but that's predictable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it seems weird to say that because you would think that everybody wants that, but then we hear so many stories about so many people chasing a setting. And then it's like, what does that mean? Right. Cause again, I'm never going to understand that, right? Like the level that I yeah. ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I totally get the chasing the setting. I've chased that setting for uh, six rounds this year, you know, yeah. and we got it the last round. I got where I want it to be. And it's not a specific number, like clicker deal that matches what I rode before. It's a, it's a special feel to the rider, like to mm. me, myself, that I want the bike to feel like. And it's, irreplaceable or you can't nobody's is the same nobody can explain it you have to be able to figure that out yourself and i think that's what separates the top guys from a lot of other guys that's cool that's good insight man i really appreciate you sharing all that um where do you take it from here right you got what a weekend off and then you're back june 3rd and 4th i think that weekend for another gncc like how do you take everything that we just talked about everything that you haven't even that you haven't had a chance to process yet maybe <laughs> and go into it right yeah you know it's just uh i typically like the tracks that when we go north uh which is kind of weird because i'm from kind of the south but the tracks are always a little gnarlier or a little rougher uh not well not rougher but like rockier maybe mm. uh stuff like that kind of more terrain that i'm used to riding where i'm from and uh i like those tracks and i you know kind of expect myself to do better at those tracks so i think we should uh definitely come in with high expectations and know where we need to be especially coming from a win this weekend and you know uh all year, I feel like it's just been putting the pieces of the puzzle together to get to where we're at now because, you know, last year we were there re pretty regularly, like every weekend. And, uh, you know, I want to I, I want to say we're going to be back there now. So it's just yeah. uh, it's been a bit of a challenge to get there. And uh, but I think uh, I think our team's been able to do it. Well, I think the good thing is now you can walk in, well, maybe ride in to this next race and realize it's not about the perfect process. It's not about perfection. Yeah. It's about realizing it's like, listen, I'm here. I'm going to do the best I can with every single moment that I have in time as it leads up to this race starting. And I'm going to give it hell. <laughs> like we're going to have a really good time raising our dirt bike. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, as I get older in my career, like I feel like going to the races is just maybe when I was younger, sometimes it's like, oh kind of dread going this weekend like i enjoy it now i'm having fun like dirt bikes are fun like i'm it makes you you know i've had kids and stuff and it makes you realize like what i'm doing for a living i'm racing dirt bikes <laughs> i mean does it really get any cooler than that so it sounds you know, pretty cool yeah yeah so i mean like you know sometimes during the week and stuff like i don't have a lot of guys to ride with around here so it's like it gets it gets lonesome it gets boring like you get burned out a little bit but going to the races is that revamp and then to know that my process works and can win races is awesome because i mean i've got a total different process than a lot of guys and uh you know it's just i think it's i think it's a cool thing you know yeah well speaking of 
like your program, you've been on all the bikes, right? Like, and now being on the, is it Magna One Husky team, right? Like, and this is the second year that you've been on that team? Third year. Third year. How did all that come together that you guys um, have created this team and and had so much fun, right? You guys have brought out the old Huskies and now you're kind of on the vintage looking Husky. Like, it seems like you guys are really enjoying this process that you're going through, kind of like having this team what feels to me like came out of nowhere. And again, you know, I'm in the central coast. I don't get to go to all the GNCCs, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? Like, um, but that may not be the case. So it seems like you guys have really been having a lot of fun. So one thing you probably don't know is like Magna One, our headquarters is 25 minutes from my house. (laughs) That makes it easy. Yeah. So uh, the owner, Chris Landers, uh, he, he came to me in uh, the end of 2020 and was like, Hey, like, let's go to dinner. I'm like, he's, he's like, we'll see. We're going to work something out. We're going to get, we're going to do a team next year. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. Like I've known him my whole life, like grew right. up with his kids. Like, uh, they grew up bringing his kids to the races when they were little, little tiny and, uh, you know, traveled with them. And from the time I was a kid. So like for this to happen, I was like, it's a long shot. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened or not. And, uh, you know, I kind of took a, took a little risk and went for it. And, uh, you know, we started putting things together and we got the bikes and it's really happy with the bikes. And, you know, he kind of built a team around me and the way we needed to program and do things. And, uh, it's been really good. I think that's a big key to our success. And, you know, we're, we're, it pays to really, when you have somebody that's just as passionate as you are and want the same results and, everybody's together everybody's all in on the team and i think it shows i think it shows what magna one is and how quick our team has really went from nothing to a number one championship team i mean that's it's pretty incredible i mean yeah <laughs> to come and beat all the factory teams and uh you know kind of out of nowhere it's it was unexpected and uh i think it's pretty awesome Little, a bunch of yeah. a bunch of hicks from Tennessee. <laughs> I like it. Well, I do now. I remember that we I did see you at the Rev Limiter, and you guys were out there with the uh, the, the Magna One team, and I think that might have been was that it must have been 21 then, if this is yeah. the third year that you guys have been doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you all the hard enduro stuff too, man. Like you, that's what I like. I like racers like you because of the fact that you kind of will look for a little bit of everything, oh, and you I don't love need to, be to chase it. one discipline. Yeah. For sure. I, w- I would love to be doing some of the hard enduros this year. Um, Roar's coming up this weekend and stuff, but they were kind of early in the year this year in between GNCCs, and I can't really pull that off. <laughs> I can't pull off a, yeah. a five, four-hour-plus hard enduro and then go uh, expect to win a GNCC the next weekend. Yeah, I mean, you're fourth right now in the GNCC points, and it's like, what is it, 148 to 110. So you're a little bit back, right, from the guys that are that are close yeah. to that 148, 138, 129 between Baylor, DeLong, and Kelly. But still, if I have another weekend like this weekend, like, those points could keep coming, and that's what you're looking for right now. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at it, you know, race by race. That's what we did last year, and, you know, it just kind of chipped away at it and seeing what we could be each weekend, and put our best foot forward every weekend and try to win the race. And then if we take, if we get a second that weekend, we'll take it, you know, let's, let's go, let's go to the next round. Let's get a podium. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I think that's what ended up, you know, getting us that championship last year is just being consistent. And all the years that I've been there, like I've never won a GNCC until last year. 
right. you know, all, all the years of my career. So to be able to, you know, get my first race win and a championship in the same year was, was truly incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. So here's the hardest hitting question I've probably got for you. Two strokes or four strokes? Oh man, I've got both. So it's, it's, I can't really pick one or the other. Yeah. Like, talk us through them then. Talk us through them. All right. So on a daily schedule for me, like, so if I've got motos during the week, I'll do a couple motos. Let's just say, let's back up to last week. Okay. Yeah. So last week we done some, done some motos, broke my race back in on like uh, Tuesday. Okay. So I rode the race back Tuesday and I, I actually took my 300 that day with me to, to the track because I like because I can ride from there and go ride hard enduro. So I was like, I'm going to do my motos and then I'm going to jump in my two stroke and I'm going to go ride some hard enduro. So I do that a lot because I can ride a moto or two on the four stroke and be like, you know what? I'm good today. I feel fresh. I'm good. I'm going to ride hard enduro for a couple hours. Go have some fun on my dirt bike. Yeah. And I think like last week specifically, like, I didn't know it was going to be muddy and rainy at the Penton, but like it really paid off because it was wet here. It was muddy here. I rode the two stroke. I was doing some cool, like, you know, creeks and splat lines and just random stuff that GNCC riders don't normally do. Uh, but I think it really showed what like when I could get into the Penton section this weekend, I was like, I was, I was extremely comfortable. So like mm -hmm. to try those risky lines that like normally you'd be like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, it's like, no, I got that. I've been doing that. That's no problem. Like, yeah, line it up. Let's go. Let's do it. And, you know, I think that was, uh, I was going to be pretty bummed if they took it out because that was the rumor. Like, everybody was, they were going to take it out for the weekend. But, you know, I was pretty happy that they left it in. And, uh, yeah, it worked out well. But, anyways, so, yeah, yeah, keep going back to the two stroke, four stroke. It just depends on, uh, the races. I've raced a lot of the hard enduros and, uh, Definitely got to ride a two-stroke there. There's no way around it. But, like, for GNCC, I think the last two-stroke I raced was a beta in uh, probably Snowshoe, maybe. Maybe Snowshoe or Ironman. Maybe I tried it at Ironman one year. I can't remember. But uh, best result on that bike was a fourth, I think, which uh, I never got a podium on it. But I, that was pretty close for a two-stroke. I'd say that was probably the closest two-stroke that's been to a podium in right a long time like a long time yeah <laughs> but and you're on a 450 on the husky not a 350 correct yeah yeah and what was that decision for like or what was the decision like uh it seems like you guys are majority riding 450s but i know that people have ridden 350s so i didn't know for you i think it's pretty pretty split up this year uh you've got johnny ben Thad, Craig, they're all 350s. Okay. Me, Stu, Ricky, Strang, Grant are on 450s. So, I mean, it is it is pretty split up this year. Uh, for me, personally, like, I just feel like the 450 fits my riding style. I like to mm -hmm. lever a gear high, and I don't rev the bike a whole lot, and uh, not most generally, at least, and uh, try to just keep traction to the ground and uh, keep the bike rolling. And then, there are times, though, that I'm like, man, I wish I had a 350 this weekend. This thing's going to be a tank. <laughs> but, like, uh, it's it's good for me overall. Like, as I was an amateur, like, I rode open A multiple years. So, I mean, I was I grew up young on a 450. So, I think that kind of helps me uh, 
ride those and uh it kind of explained why i rode them because all the years i rode for yamaha we always rode 450s as well so right it just is it's kind of weird going back to a 350 because it's like you've got to ride the bike harder you got to rev it more you got to be aggressive on it like you can kind of ride the 450 a little different interesting yeah it, it does i was talking when we had talked with andrew short about it he even mentioned so much so that the transmission just always felt a little different too on that 350 um, than a 450 and again that was supercross so vastly mm-hmm. different sport when it comes down to all that kinds of stuff but in the long run it's very interesting i always really enjoyed my 350 and i feel like as a 250 rider i rode those smaller bikes better but is when you you mentioned man this thing's gonna be a tank is it just feel heavy or is it the fact that there's just so much more horsepower underneath you that that like leads into then rotational mass as well you know i think it's I don't think the bike is all that much more like I don't think it's that much more weight, but like I think it's the mass, the motor, the just behemoth. I don't know. It's just <laughs> just that big of a bike. Uh, it feels so much. I mean, feels so much bigger than a 350, like just right. power wise and the way the thing hits and stuff like they're they're pretty mean. Like we try to, you know, run like I like the exhaust, like the exhaust and stuff. We like them corked up a little bit, like just trying to tame it down a little bit, but hmm. still luggable. Yeah, it's. I feel like I keep hearing that from different 450s. Now, granted, I am just like everybody else. I listen to Pulp MX. I listen to all the you know many other like you know motocross podcasts and stuff like that. And it just sounds like so many people are doing things to tame down the power um on a 450 do you like have any inkling that a 450 is just again air quotes too much motorcycle that's not a statement that's a question right you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think in like when you take a 450 out the showroom floor you put a pipe a little short pipe on it you put like all this stuff on it it's like you're just making more power like you don't need that nobody needs that like Maybe for like the, uh, I mean, of course they're building motors and stuff for supercross, like the total different world, motocross, supercross. But like, I guess there's not all that many people who ride like 450s off road. So um, to me, it's like I just want the thing slower. But I like the big rotation. I like the I like the motor. Like that's what I like is yeah how you can have more power and then tone it down and have a bike that can still do what you want but not spin up so quick if that makes sense yeah now i think it's an interesting discussion and i think it's going to be one that keeps coming up especially after what we saw in the supercross season this year with so many of the factory riders being out from injury we keep seeing the tracks deteriorate very quickly now that now granted that is a minutes to laps kind of thing and Mm -hmm. there's many aspects to this but i also think that at some point there's going to be some stadiums that we're just not going to be able to get into because of the the how much they cost how many people are going to need to be able to sell out tickets and stuff and i wonder how much that could affect the industry to the point where they have to go different places and that just means that they have to start worrying about the cc's of the bike because of a lot of the factors that that can that can play into now granted off-road it may never matter right but right. we know that they they say race on a sunday sell on monday but i just don't know that that's a thing anymore but who knows who knows i don't know maybe it's just a weird rabbit hole 
Yeah, I don't know. Like for, I don't not for the motocross supercross world, like the 450. I mean, I guess, I guess for America, that's where the 450 really came into play, is it not? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we all wanted big bike, more power, like, and I guess it's like now, unless for off road, like desert racing, yeah, it's great, but like GNCC, it's a lot. I mean, if everybody, if they didn't make that power plant, then like everybody rode. I mean, you see guys doing same the same lap times on 250s as, you know, 450s. So, like, but could that 450 guy go as fast on that 250? So, there you've got, like, that aspect of it as well. Yeah, and then there's the part where they talk about the cost involved in creating a 250 that can do what a 450 can do. And I hear that a lot too, where the 250 teams have to spend so much money to make the power they make. And it, granted, we're not going to solve this. We're not really the people <laughs> to solve it either, considering that we were both off-road racers and, and riders of the dirt, but that's okay. You know, I just, I think it's interesting. And I just, I'm excited to be at a time where I can kind of watch this evolve because when you talk about this, like electric motorcycle, I believe that I will be watching electric motorcycles race in a very large worldwide capacity before I die. You know what I mean? And and maybe Mm -hmm. even take over the sports that I'm used to being a part of. And that's crazy to me, but at the same time, I'm excited for it because it means it's going to bring different eyes. It's going to bring different people. It's going to bring different technology to keep evolving all of these bikes that we ride, which I think is cool. Yeah, I think it's sweet. I mean, I think it'll also push out a lot of technology, a lot of manufacturers. Like, there's a double, it's a double-edged sword. So, like, you bring something new in, everybody's skeptical because it's going to change the game everywhere. You know, so, and the way the bikes, I mean, there's no doubt, like, they can make the bikes however you want. You could have one bike that can be whatever size you want and make whatever power you want easily, no problem. And they've already proven that. So, like, the technology, I think, is there now. It's just how long will it, will they hold on? Well, I mean, who wants to really, I mean, do you want to really go watch a Supercross without hearing the motorcycle? Who I don't knows? think so. <laughs> I don't, don't I don't think so. But like, here, that's, that's, that's where it's interesting what World Supercross is, says they're going to be doing, where they're making more of a show out of the event, right? Where they bring in a rapper or, you know, there's a band playing and all this kinds of stuff. Like, Someone who's a great entertainer, like think about if they got somebody from Cirque du Soleil or whatever, one of those Mm -hmm. crazy Vegas shows, and they're like, okay, we now have races that have no sound. What can we do to amp up everything? You know what I mean? Like, and and, and without just pumping pure oxygen in, so everybody's a little high, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, because we probably are a little high on all the gas fumes anyway. (laughs) Especially (laughs) back when the two strokes ran. about it yeah but uh i don't know i'm excited for it i I know people think i'm a little weird to be uh to talk about it as much as i do i just um i think there's smart people out there that are trying to make it happen and i'm i just we can't hold out right i do feel that the power sports industry does typically wait until the last minute and be (laughs) like oh crap dang it we're behind the curveball because this happened 10 years ago like it's now it's it is now right Mm -hmm. like the alta should have told people like we need to be planning for this and you can see with what gncc is doing with the e-mountain bikes and the way that they've partnered with specialized like they see the crossover right they know that all these sports are evolving 
and they're never going to become one. Nobody wants them to become one, but they there there's places where they can they can weave in and out better and then probably worse too in the long run because you think about electric motorcycles off-road like how many people are in it's just like yeah it's gonna be weird it's gonna be weird it's gonna It'll be weird. definitely I'm excited. be weird so i can change that changes all the formats of racing the time slots the schedule like but it opens up a lot of the venues where could you go you could race in the cities yeah. You could race metropolitan, yep. like you could go anywhere because you don't have noise. Yeah, that that's my All thing. You have is to worry I, about I think environmental is like tearing yeah. Up the dirt. You get a progressive city, and you now have a city-run motocross track for electric motorcycles. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what again, but that that takes somebody who's willing to take chances and put themselves on the line and be like, this is gonna be the sport, and 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 I could fail in this venture. Do you know? What I mean? But it's like, but it's not about that. It's not about the millions of dollars I want to try to make. It's about progressing the sport more yep. so than it is anything else. Because the sport don't, don't seem like, to me, it's grown, like, it's kind of the same for the past, yeah. well, I mean, since I can remember the past 20, 15, 20 years, like, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Like, I don't think it's, like, ramped up or anything. I mean, what do you right. think? No, I agree. Um, I think, obviously, the four-stroke thing is really the biggest thing that happened and what was that that was 99 when we started seeing the 400 come out mm -hmm. and doug henry racing it and stuff like that and the only reason that happened is because they were like well we can't build a faster two-stroke but what happens oh my gosh we could build anything up to 500 cc four-stroke whoa shit let's go make one of those <laughs> and they did and then everybody was like oh my god this is it you know, and so everybody went, but the, again, because the sport is not very progressive and they just expected this to be a spectacle, no one changed the rules quick enough. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And that's why we have a 450 is because the AMA finally was like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Um, and so that is, you can tell that everybody's afraid of that happening again with the electric motorcycles. And that's why now it's the opposite. Like everyone is like no electric motorcycles because they don't want to lose what we have and it's not mm -hmm. about losing it it's about what we can gain you know what i mean if you kind of yeah, I no, think, definitely if you, i mean if you switch your perspective there's a whole there is definitely a whole nother there's a whole nother crowd that can be tapped into to bring into the sport like you're talking mountain bike bmx bike like of people with the talent that can do stuff on two wheels that aren't necessarily interested in a dirt bike that you got to put gas in and I mean necessarily go to like I mean something that they don't have to maintenance you know you just yeah. you don't have to worry about some of the stuff I don't know I just you're I mean, there's definitely opportunity there somewhere it's just how does it get done and is yeah. there still a room for gasoline for a for for dirt for like gasoline powered motorcycles is that still going to yeah. be around or is that going to be like a vintage thing of the past? You know, that's the nostalgia part of our sport. Like, because I, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't like the idea of that. You know what I mean? Like, like personally, no. like I'm like, but it's what I grew up doing and it's what I love and it's all the memories I have. But again, just because the sport might evolve that way, doesn't mean I lose all of those memories. It doesn't mean that what I have and what I've emotionally felt through it is is wrong do you know what i mean like and i feel like that's the way a lot of people feel people feel hurt <laughs> that they could lose this and it's like it's not going anywhere man yeah um and to your point like i i like this i heard this on a podcast and i don't remember so i can't attribute it to anybody though i wish i could they brought up the fact that um how many 20 year olds now are having kids that have never worked on 
any electric motor. They don't, they have electric weed eaters, they have electric lawnmowers, they have electric cars, right? Like, why would any of these parents go buy a gas powered dirt bike for their kids? They're going to go buy an electric Stasic. They're going to go buy an electric dirt bike because it's the technology that they know and that they use on the regular. Mm -hmm. Like, they're probably not going to head to YouTube to figure out how to work on a carburetor because they went and bought it, this, you know, used $2,000 whatever off of Craigslist. Yeah, that's a complete piece of trash, you know. I mean, that's that's the that's the spot though. Is like where that's got to be figured out is the price point, the brands, the reliability. Like all of those things are going to be big. Like, are they going to be all five thousand dollar motorcycles? Right. Like, like a Suron. Like you know, I mean, is that the avenue it's going to go, or is it going to be more? Which that's like more. I don't know if you've rode one or not. They're like a cross. Like it's kind of like a. Mountain. I haven't. I really, really, really want to ride one, and it would be so good if they would send me one, which I know they won't, but it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've just played around on one before, and like it's 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 totally different. I'm trying to remember. They have a couple different models now on the pricing wise, and we'll do. I have a couple more questions. I know we we would talk about a rabbit hole. I love it though. I I, I will talk about any like it's dirt bikes. It I don't care what anybody says. This is dirt bike conversation, and I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. We've talked about it too. Like the little Tarot is like three thousand dollars, right? And it's done great, and it's got my daughter who never wanted to throw a leg over a PW50 or anything, piddling around in a field on a dirt bike. And it's mm-hmm. like if she just if, if if that's what it takes, I'm gonna get keep getting her little electric dirt bikes, and that's mm-hmm. fine with me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't oh, feel yeah. like she's getting any less of an experience because she's on an electric motorcycle. She's like, no, I get that. I mean, and if she ever wants to, you know, you learn that skill of two wheels, then you can do it when she gets older or whatever. Like she can take it right over to whatever else. If she wants to ride a dirt a, a regular dirt bike, she can ride a regular dirt bike. Yeah. Yep, it'll be cool. Okay. I've kind of got this concept I'm trying to figure out, bike, body, mind. And so when it comes to the bike, like what is a setup that you feel is your setup? Like what what is something about the way that you set your motorcycle up? Maybe it doesn't separate you from other people, but it's something that is very Jordan Ashburn specific. Um. Like something, I run a tall seat, which I'm I'm very like keen on now. That I just picked up the past couple of years. I think that really helped my style a lot and the way I ride. So I'd say that's probably the number one thing. But uh, man, I'm not like crazy, like picky about anything in really in particular. Like pretty average on 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 the most of like handlebars, levers, stuff like that. I do run like stock levers. Like I don't like uh, nothing like fancy or crazy. Like I like the bike pretty well, like close to stock as possible. Yeah. So what do you feel the tall seat gives you? Are you uh, how tall are you then for others that I'm might be? Tall. I mean, I'm not like you know, I'm just like six foot. But like, I feel as if I've got long legs and like, for me to hold onto the bike with my knees with a small seat. I feel like my knees are over the top of the seat and it's like hard to grip the bike, especially under acceleration. So like a tall Mm. seat for me helps me, you know, grab a hold of the bike better and, uh, and keep myself where I need to be position wise. Interesting. But then within that though, you do like, um, 
let's talk about the so in your husky you've got the four positions right the front holes and the rear holes and then you can flip the clamps like how do you like to have your bars positioned with those so that you can then adjust your cockpit with yeah, the tall so seat I, I run the mako 360 i'd say that's pretty right. that's a key characteristic there too and uh i run it just in the middle so i'll run like the middle the second bolt hole up and flip them forward and uh that's it's pretty or if there's just a three uh three bolt hole i'll just run the middle i mean and then i'll run my clamps twisted forward because you know you can run your clamp forward or backwards yep. and alternate a little bit uh so i don't really run my bars like i try to keep everything pretty neutral i would say overall yeah and same with, with the, a brake lever okay. like brake lever like uh or brake pedal i just like <clears throat> the old style you put your t-handle on it you level it like it's good it should engage a little below. Like I don't run mine really high or anything. Like I don't like to put my foot up. Like I like to just keep it where I can get to it. And um, the shifter is kind of annoying because on the Husky, it's like you can't really get it level. It has to be like a notch up. And to get a notch up, you got to pull it really far to click up. And you got to pick your foot up to click it down. But if you put it level, like then it goes down too far. And it's mm. like, so there's not like that. I wish you could like get a middle position there but uh that's 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 pretty well it i run stock pegs stock peg height too so man um with the levers have you never had i don't know if is it levers or levers that's a good question i guess it just depends on however i said it i think you said levers and i was like do i say levers i think earlier i said i don't even know where that came from at yamaha Yamaha. I'm up in Tennessee, boys. Yamaha, Yamaha. <laughs> it's all good. Um, have you never had any issues like breaking uh, levers or anything like that? I mean, yeah, it can happen, but I mean, we run, we'll run, we'll tape the, uh, you know, like old school. You use your tape around your your perch mounts. So yeah. But I mean, uh, for me, I just like the engagement point so well. Like I just run them. Like yeah. that's, that's very important to me is like the clutch engagement feel and the front brake feel. I feel like anytime I've changed levers, I lose that feel of where I like the engagement point. It's either too squishy or too, uh, or engages too close one way or the other, even though you can adjust them, it's still the ratios off. Yeah. What, what I've found is that as I've been, been able to kind of get on the bike more and, and race and really find myself at a, at a pace where I'm chalking up the intensity i am starting to like feel little finite differences and so i can make little micro adjustments in my throttle in my clutch and in my in my front brake and i'm now realizing so i've been running the the mountain midwest mountain yep. the, the thick short yep. levers for a long time and i've really enjoyed them until this past year and i've <laughs> finally gotten to the point now where they're too they're too big and they're too flat um, and I just, they, and, and I want to go, I want to try some of the arc levers. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem is, is if you start going down that rabbit hole, there's so many different options. I'm like, oh, now I don't know what to do. So I'm actually thinking about going back to stock levers. Um, I run open guards and I fall a lot. So it's a bad idea. Cause I'll just be breaking levers all the time. Cause those things are so short that I don't break them. But, um, I really want to kind of like take this learning that I'm feeling and kind of keep playing with it. So I can kind of keep fine tuning that little cockpit area. And again, like then I can have just a little bit more clutch control, a little bit more front yeah. brake control. And then, as you said, hopefully that starts to come in with the, the, the brake pedal and the shifter and stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, I've kind of I've got to figure that out. So it's interesting though that you still run stock, but it makes a lot of sense why you're saying that because engagement you know, is I, everything. I don't think I'm pretty sure, at least when I was at Cow, he did. He did Strang ran stock leverage as well. He didn't run anything else. So like, I know some of the guys like really prefer that feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a certain feel and uh, and you know like you're talking about. So what how, what helped you feel that like? Are you right? Like, what kind of riding terrain? If you like, you say you felt that with the levers. Yeah. Uh, is it just over time, or like one day you're like, I'm gonna try these, and I'm gonna put these on and try these? Or was it no, no, like- no. I, I, I got them back in like 18 or 19, and they've just been on the bike. I would just say over the past year, I'm just in a a much more aware state of mind. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I'm starting to be able to key in to certain feelings, and it's like. I can kind of tell now when my arm starts to get worn out in a certain position. So I've been playing around with that to kind of like get my wingspan down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just really weird. And then I'm like, well, why can't I get this with two fingers instead of three or one or whatever it is? And I'm like, oh, so I'll start moving the lever out a little bit. I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. But then it's like, oh, but then it's up too much now. And so, but again, it's only because I have this, I've grown into a state of awareness where I can start to feel these micro adjustments, you know, and like other people do it with the engine and stuff. Like for whatever reason right now, I'm just feeling it a lot in the controls. Yeah. So like, I mean, you you just said it, like you can have the engine feel, the chassis feel, the tire feel, the handlebars, or the handlebar controls. uh, And then you can go on into your gear, your boots you wear, how wore out they are. Do you wear knee braces? Do you not? Do you wear a neck brace? Is your helmet heavy? Like all of those things play into key, like on how you feel when you ride. And even to like the goggles, how do they fit your head? When your helmet gets mud on it, does it pull it down like over your eyes? Like does it like there's just so many weird random things that like you need to be, I need for like to all be right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. And, uh, it all starts, of course, with the bike and you get in the bike the way you need to be. Because, for for instance, like my Florida GNCC this year, we were I was I ended up off. I was doing some testing the week before the race and like just trying. I've been practicing in Florida, you know, all winter and thought I had my bike pretty good. And I tried some new stuff and I thought it was great. So I'm like, you know, I'm I tested it the week before and then we just tested all week and I'm like, it's it's perfect. You know, let's go, let's go race. I start to race, I get like halfway in and it's just like my back is shot. And like hmm. I've been riding win- I've been riding sand all winter. Like my yeah. back should not be shot. And I was tip top shape, everything, you know. So like after the race, I'm just like I completely died toward the end of the race, you know. It's like I had no strength left. I could not hold myself up on the motorcycle anymore. And it's just like one of them really simple little mistakes on setup that I missed that ruined my day, ruined my whole race. I mean, probably by seven, eight positions, like ruined my day. And it's just, uh, those little fine tuning things like you're talking about means so much. Like when you actually get in the racing world in situations and how your body can handle the race. Cause I mean, when your bike set up properly, like, <clears throat> and all things are working right, your body knows how to work with the bike. So if yeah. one thing's off, 
you're countering something else, trying to counter this and then that, and you're throwing all your muscles out of out of rhythm from what they're normally supposed to be doing. And it, it would just be like me trying to go do cross. I don't do CrossFit anymore. Like if I went now and tried to like power clean something, like I'd probably do like three, and I'd probably couldn't move for five days or pull a muscle in my back. Like the same same type of deal. It would just totally right. totally jack you up. Yeah. Well, what was the what was the thing? that you had set up wise that blew out your back just having the shock a little too stiff like uh initially and like having the sag a little bit high and i mean i'm talking like three four millimeters like right not very much like just a little 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 mistake that i thought we were good on and uh you know just just missed it just missed the mark <clears throat> yeah Okay, on the body part of things, what is it that about what does Jordan Ashburn do to kind of focus on his body to get it ready for racing? Uh, you know, I did uh, for the early parts of my career, I did a lot of CrossFit and a lot of like gym stuff. And now I do more, you know, cycling and uh, I'll do a day or so a gym a week and, you know, not. The, the older I've got, some people I hear say, like, you know, the older you get, the more you got to work to keep at. Like, I feel like I'm, I do less, a little less now, and I, everything works way better. But in turn, I've also got two kids that absolutely wear me out. <laughs> so, I mean, that takes a huge, huge part of it there. So it's like the time I guess I put into training now is more effective than it was. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to what you said about, um, maintaining versus degrading versus building capacity, right? Like, so it, it is harder as you get older to build up capacity, but if you've spent your years, you know, kind of hedging against sickness by building capacity and then maintaining capacity, um, that's all you have to do. Like, that's all, like, again, not as a racer, not as a top peak person, but just as a human in life, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you don't get yourself to a point where you have degraded and now you're trying to air quotes, catch up or re-strengthen things. Yep. Like all you're doing is maintaining. There's very, I'm 43 years old. There's very few times. Like I personally am trying to bulk up. And so I'm eating a lot of calories, but it's just because I've always been a little guy. And I, not yeah. that I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, I just want to be bigger. Right. <laughs> um, and so that, but that's a conscious choice to try to be bigger. And so to put that muscle on, I have to eat, but in the long run, like it's again, another very conscious and aware decision that I'm making where most people don't even have the, the conscious action to just maintain a level of fitness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is you kind of degrade into sickness, right? Because if you don't have fitness, you, you mean you're going the other way yeah. and so i think that that's what's interesting about it i think and you'll see that a lot too with a lot of athletes that are at the very top 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 and they're like oh i'm i'm fit i can do whatever i want and then two years after if they don't even have any capability mentally to maintain just maintain like it's just oh just goes yep. off because we can lose it quick but it's, again you don't have to like slam into the gym for three hours a day, you know, six days a week um, to maintain. And I think it's interesting and it's cool to hear you say that. Yeah. And I feel like if that's something you're, I would still be trying to do at my age, 
I don't know if I could be doing what I'm doing. Like it would just wreck you. Like yeah. you can only like put so much in with, you only get so much energy. You know what I mean? So like you use that energy up during the week training, like you're just kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, you're not maintaining, you're kind of actually going downhill because you're always feeling bad. You're not ever feeling covered. And then you're thinking you need to train again. And, and I've been in that, I've been in that situation before. Like, yeah, I've, uh, I used to do this bike ride like weekly. It was called Tuesday worlds. And it was like a road bike race every Tuesday. And like, I'd done it for years. Cause I, I thought, you know, Hey, this is really hard. It's great for me. Well, it was actually wrecking me, like completely yeah. wrecking me. And, uh, I would never really fully recover for it. Cause I'd ride, I would cycle two or three days a week and, you know, cycle really hard. And, uh, it's just, it's crazy what it does to your body and how you have to kind of figure out what, and I think this is specific, like everybody's body's different. The way you can train, the way you need to train, the way your body reacts to training and uh, like loading it with, with, with certain things. So uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, man. Um, okay. Mind, right? What, how do you, handle being a racer in your own head right like there's so much pressure on us sometimes and we can beat ourselves up so much in our helmet right when we make mistakes when we're maybe not finishing the way that we thought we should have finished or you know um you just won and then maybe next time the bike breaks and it's like now you're like you know what i mean like how many and i just kind of wanted to know like mindset wise like where have you been before? What have you done to get out of it? What have you done to bring yourself up to help other racers out there as we all go through the trials and tribulations of kind of living in our own helmet? Yeah, you know, I try not to let any any individual result, like, bother me. And I think I'm pretty good with that. Like, if we have a bad weekend, like, you know, you know, chalk it up and throw it out. You know, I mean, it's not, you can't dwell upon that. You dwell upon that, you're just going to keep carrying it. So it's, it's a matter of like just keeping it in the short term and then throwing it away, keeping it in the long term, like knowing what you're supposed to do and knowing what you did and knowing how to do it. And uh, it's like as far as during the race, you know, you can't you can't start thinking about anything during the race besides the race. <laughs> you, you've got to focus on the track. You've got to focus on what's happening. You start wondering about all the other stuff like you're you're going to be a wreck. I mean, it's it, there's no way around that. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's a tough tough game to play, I guess, with yourself. And uh, you know, I've kind of give advice to other guys before, like, you know, don't don't beat yourself up about things because like it's it's just one race at a time. Like we have a we have a series, and like I mean, I could have, you know, we have, and, and this is one way to look at it. Like I'm I have twelve races this year that I right. have to do my very best at every single race. That's how I make a living. Like that is my job. That's what I do. Like, and you know, you get outsiders put that put more pressure on you than you put than I put on myself. You know what I mean? I don't really put pressure on myself. I know if I'm riding good and feeling good, how my results are going to be. And I just leave it at the track and let it go. And uh, I think that's a good, good thing that I, that I can do because it's really hard to do sometimes. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. It is hard, and and I think what's even worse is sometimes we don't even realize how much we're beating ourselves up. I think um, mine happens most in like 
not racing environment, but training environment. I do beat myself up in training environment. I'd say that like, oh, I need to be doing this today. And I just didn't have time. Oh, I can't catch up tomorrow because I got to do this tomorrow. And then I got to do that the next day. And then that can overwhelm you. And sometimes you just have to like scratch that and just try to clear the, you know, clear the pad. Like it's not going to kill you. Like you said, I have to go back to like what you're saying. We talked about like the mindset of fitness, like my fitness is there. It doesn't matter. So like, you're just maintaining, you miss this, you do that. It's okay. Like it's not going to affect your weekend. (laughs) Right. The way that happens. So that's, but man, so many guys like that, it just destroys them. If that something's not right in the week, it just destroys them. Yeah. I was at the snake. Well, one little story. I don't think I've told and We'll wrap this thing up. I was at the snake bite hard enduro and I had somebody, um, using profanity. Um, I, I don't mind cursing, but in the long run, I'm not going to say what he was saying towards his bike. Right. And in, in the long run, he's the one who made the mistake, but he's, he's cursing out his bike because as if it's the bike's fault. Right. But in, in reality, like, how much energy are we wasting when we do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not just physical energy, it's emotional energy, it's mental, it, right? It's everything about us um, is just being wasted in screaming into the ether. Um, and I say that because I know that I was always that person. Anytime that I would crash, I'd find myself upside down in a tree and I'd just be running around with like, Literally not even getting the bike, just pissed off, throwing things. Sometimes I'd take my helmet off and it's like, why does Brian always do this? This is such a Brian mistake. Like you're such a piece of, and I would just beat myself up for what? For a mistake. That's what it is. It's Mm -hmm. only a mistake. And if you realize that it's like, you know what? All I can do now is get up and keep going. Well, get up and do that. That's where we need to put our energy. Right. Like, and if we just live like in our erase helmet, that part of it and right. then just put it into the get going part and you just saved yourself energy, time of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like put that all behind you and just go. Like I went, I had a stupid mistake like that this weekend. It's like, I'm was coming down one of these rocky creeks into the penton section and just placed my wheel wrong, went straight over the bars, like right in front of everybody. I'm just like, whatever like you know just drag the bike just go you gotta go like you got you can't got time to really think about all that stupidness that happens yeah it's weird so like lately i've literally as i've got a better mindset around making mistakes and just realizing that literally there is no perfect and mistakes are part of every process i've kind of like i've i've almost accepted it and said okay i crashed get up go like it, it's not, there's no anger, there's no haste, there's no hesitancy anymore. And it's like, I'm learning now how to accept faster, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. So that again, to your point that I can, like there is no more thought about it. It's just 100% acceptance and moving forward. Um, and then again, as we like to fine tune these little things, I can just fine tune that part of that process. So if I do have a mistake and I crash, which is going to happen, as you just said, a professional racer going over the handlebars, like it's like, boom, hit the ground. That sucks. Okay, get up and go. Unless obviously there's a broken bone, but fingers crossed. But then sometimes you keep going anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, dude, I know you've got a family to put to get, put to bed. I really appreciate your time. Is there anything that I missed that you want to leave us with before we roll out of here? No, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think we've hit a lot of, we've hit a pretty broad area of, uh, 
of things to talk about. So as always, we've hit some <laughs> interesting rabbit time. holes, but I love them. I'm okay with it. So I don't I know a lot about it. the electric world. You can kind of you can kind of uh, get get me on that. So, but uh, I I don't know. I think uh, there's a lot of changes happening, and our sport can see a lot of things happening in the future. Yeah, man. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and chat with us. Congratulations again on your win, your 2022 championship last year. You got to win now. You're in fourth place, buddy. I mean, this is that this is the consistency that pays off just like it did last year. So just keep it up. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll keep her going. And uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> and there you have it. The June episode of the Seat Time Podcast. What was your favorite part? We did hit quite a few rabbit holes. And if you've made it this far, I really appreciate you hanging around through there. I think the electric motorcycle discussion is going to continue to come up. So if you have opinions, we want to know about it in the comments or DM us, whatever and wherever that is. Again, if you want to support Seat Time, please hit the share button, hit the subscribe button, send it to your riding buddies. This is an epic podcast to put on whatever radio or whatever platform you listen to when you're headed to the trailhead getting seat time baby i'm looking forward to getting back on the bike soon we are on vacation currently at the moment and man it's uh it's well needed well needed right now so again shop.seattime.co if you want to grab yourself a seat time shirt we would really appreciate it put this out there in the world share more that is the old old logo there should be, if you're on YouTube, there should be a playlist for more of the podcast clips. Hit any of the new videos that we've put out recently on the Seat Time channel. We just appreciate you being here. If we don't get a chance to see you on the trail, we will see you on the internet. Peace.